In his journey, uh, in his book, Journey to the East, Herman Hesse, Hesse, I don't know how to say it, H-E-S-S-E, described the activities in relationships of explorers who were sent on a difficult mission by a certain order. Servant named Leo cared for their every need, prepared their food, washed their clothes, and was at their beck and call in term, and in terms of protocol, he was like the lowest of the least. But as the mission progressed, Leo's adaptability and spirit proved invaluable to them. And their servant's worth became more evident when their ship was wrecked and Leo went missing. Uh, trying to go on without him proved impossible. But eventually one member of the party made his way back to headquarters and, and that was when they met their leader. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, it was none other than Leo. Uh, he had assumed the role of a servant during the expedition, but in reality he was their leader Today we're going to be looking at service that is oftentimes unheralded, but it is absolutely necessary. Today we're going to take a close look at the office of deacon within a church. For years, we at Maple Grove had a formalized deacon ministry, but over the past 10, 15 years or so, it's gotten a lot less formal. Um, we were going through some changes in one of the, or going through some things in one of the storage closets here, and, and I, I came across, we were looking for some old pictures and everything, those are always fun to look through, but I came across an old ballot that I think we would do at our congregational meetings in December, where we would have a list of all of the elders, and a list of all of the deacons who were serving or were proposed to serve during that year, and um, it, it was uh, kind of bittersweet to come across this. This was from uh, 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. But it was bittersweet because uh, I was looking through the list of deacons, and I believe only one or two are still members of our church. And that was out of a list of about nine or ten. And it's bittersweet because, you know, uh, get to know those guys, love those guys, and they left for, you know, certain reasons. But... Uh, but we still have, you know, a couple who are here. But I think that's kind of why our deacon ministry fell off a bit. We didn't really replace those guys. It wasn't really an emphasis for us. Well, the elders for a little while have been praying and talking about reinvigorating the deacon ministry, putting an emphasis on deacons and their service here in the body at Maple Grove. And so today, I'd like to kick off this reemphasis by looking at what the Bible has to say about deacons. And to help with this, there's a book that I found that focuses on deacons it's, uh, from a pastor written by a pastor named Matt Ford, who's from the Atlanta area. And this book is called That Deacon Book. It's a great title. The subtitle is even better, though. It is hopefully the least boring book you'll ever read about deacons. <laughs> and you know what? It, was, it wasn't the least boring book I've ever read about deacons. A lot of the stuff that I'm presenting to you today actually comes from me studying that book, but it is all very biblically based. And so I want to start by asking the question, what is a deacon? What is a deacon? To answer this, we need to look at the original language used by the Apostle Paul, as he is primary, as he, it's he who primarily wrote about deacons in the Bible. And the Greek word that we get our English word deacon from is diakonos. And, and you can kind of hear it, right? You can kind of see it there when you look at it. Um, 
the the English word deacons really just transliterated from that Greek word, diakonos. But what does it mean? Well, simply, it is one who serves others. Most of the time in Scripture, the word is used to refer to servants instead of a specific office of deacon. For example, Luke 22, verses 26 through 27 say, But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules is the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I, this is Jesus speaking, I among you, I am among you as one who serves. Diakonos. He's talking about serving and and he being among us, uh, among them as disciples at the time as one who serves. And again, in John 12, 26, Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul writes, I have become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And he writes again in 1 Timothy 4, verse 6, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. That word minister is diakonos. While the majority of the times the word is used in the New Testament, it does simply refer to servants. There are occasions where the office of deacon within a church body is discussed. Paul talks about both elders and deacons in Philippians 1.1. And then in 1 Timothy 3.8, he writes about the character qualifications for the office of deacon, which we're going to look at here in a couple of minutes. But the point is this, it's that all deacons are servants, but not all servants are deacons. So where do we see deacons first show up in Scripture? Most would say it is early in the book of Acts. And so I want to read from Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, where it says that in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, it's a good name, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. To give some context to this passage, this comes after the time of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes on the uh, the the apostles, and they were sharing, they empowered them, and, and they were sharing the gospel with people in their native tongue. And the apostle Peter preached a powerful sermon, and about 3,000 people started following Jesus that day. 
So the apostles had this influx of people, and as happens, people started complaining because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, they had replaced Judas Iscariot with a man named Matthias, but they decided that they needed to be free to focus on the ministry of the word of God, and if they were not free to do that, that would be a detriment to the ministry. And it's still a reality today, really, um, this really early life of the church is critical that the twelve were free to remain focused on the ministry. And so they, they chose seven who would be able to serve the church with the more day-to-day needs. So through the years, the church, especially a lot of Protestant churches like ours, has continued to have two offices. You have elders and deacons. The elders are servant leaders, while the deacons are lead servants. The elders will direct the affairs of the church, and the deacons are called to facilitate and manage the affairs of the church. Here's how Ford puts it in his book um, on deacons. In this way, we see that elders serve the church through praying and meditating on God's word, and then preaching, teaching, counseling, and deliberating on the major affairs of the church. Deacons, at the direction and under the guidance and authority of the elders, execute the good works of the church as a response to the preached word of God. Hopefully that gives us a better idea of of what a deacon is. And so now let's look at the qualifications for a deacon. If you remember from our Titus series that we did a little while back, we preached on the qualifications for an elder. One of the things that we talked about was that the qualifications were mainly based on a person's character, not necessarily like what they, what they could do is who they were. And the same can be said for a deacon. So let's look at the deacon's character and the qualifications and the focus on the deacon's character. For this, we're going to look to Paul's letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 8 through 13. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 verses of the chapter, Paul gives Timothy the qualifications for what is translated as overseer, similar to what he wrote in Titus chapter 1. He moves to writing about deacons by saying that in the same way. And so he's connecting the two lists. And so let's go through these and see what should the character of a deacon be. The first is that the deacon should be worthy of respect. This word can also be translated as serious or dignified. If we're calling someone to a specific service in the Lord's church, there should be a seriousness about such a call. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to be serious and somber all of the time. Um, That would be weird for us. But they should be able to distinguish between the time to be funny and the time to be serious. Whoever they are, though, they, they do have a measure of respect. They're not immature in their faith. 
but they are dignified. The second trait on the list is sincere. According to one commentary, there's a couple possible meanings for the word used here. The first is that it could mean not double-tongued, that a person would not talk to one person one way and then say something completely different to somebody else. The other meaning could be something like a tale-bearer, which would be like gossiping. Each of these would be easy for somebody to fall into, because, especially a deacon, because they kind of know a little bit more about things that are going on. For, but for all of us, really, it could be something that we could fall into. But James 3 talks about how somebody's speech can be corrupted, and he uses the tongue to illustrate the point. In, in that passage, James 3, verse 8 says, No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, it should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt produce fresh water. So that's why when Paul says that when we are to be looking for deacons, we need to find people who are sincere, who are not double-tongued, who are not gossipers or bearing false truths. should be reliable. They should be trustworthy. Now the next trait, uh, like... uh, in Paul's list, says that they should not be, be not indulging in much wine. Like an elder, the deacon should not be given to drunkenness. That's not to say that they cannot have wine, but they cannot be out of control. As Ford writes, Paul used the word prosecco to describe the attitude a deacon needs to avoid regarding alcohol. That is, he, is, he isn't preoccupied with it. He doesn't need it. It's not the most important comfort-bringing aspect of his day. It doesn't hold sway over his health, wealth, or work. Fourth, the deacon should not pursue dishonest gain. Same prohibition is used in Paul's letter to Titus with regard to the elders. The word Paul uses has the idea of not being greedy. Deacons should not have a, a love of money. We know so well from 1 Timothy 6.10 that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Deacons should be trustworthy with money because they're likely going to be dealing with uh, or something that involves money or materials that are budgeted for you know, certain things in the church. But it's more than money as well. The deacon shouldn't be motivated by greed, which in addition to money could also include popularity or power. Following this trait is uh, one that I think is one of the most important. It's that they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. It's the longest one on the list, but deacons need to be believers. I mean, it seems like that shouldn't be something that should need to be said, but but they've got to truly know, understand, love, and find both safety and their identity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, the Son of God, died for sinners. 
And they should be able to verbalize that as well. Even if they're not the greatest public speaker in the world, they should be able to humbly share the gospel with others. The last part of this section states that deacons must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve. So before calling anybody to be a deacon in the church, their character should be tested. But one of the most important things to understand is that they, they don't need to be perfect because, you know, we've, we've already got a perfect leader in Jesus. Um, what we need is what Ford calls repentant leaders. These are people who are pursuing righteousness. And sometimes you might, you might fail, and it might be enough that you need to take a break from serving in, as a deacon in order to properly repent and then start walking consistently in obedience to the Lord. But that doesn't mean that we cannot restore. It doesn't mean that if you fail, it also doesn't mean that if you failed in the past, that you're just, you know, canceled and never allowed to serve again. Because we, we've all failed in the past. It's something, right? Um, at, at the conference that we were at, the elders went to a conference uh, yesterday and Friday, and, and uh, Bob Russell, who's actually coming here next week to preach to us, he, he was talking about you know, perfection in the church, and he, he said, you know, if we looked back far enough in each of our lives, you know, we'd probably find something that, you know, if we did it today, it would disqualify us for service, but, you know, hopefully you're, you're repenting and, and moving forward, re- renewing your, your walk with the Lord in that time. That's what we want to do. We, we, we might need to take a step back for a season, focus on following Christ in obedience, but, uh, but we're not looking for perfection. Lord knows we're not perfect, which is becoming a theme today. <laughs> now we're going to get into what can be a touchy subject, but I don't, I don't think it has to be. In verse 11, Paul writes, In the same way the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Now, if you have the 1984 uh, version of the NIV, the 1984 translation, it translates the women as their wives. Most translations that I looked at, including the NASB, the ESV, the NLT, they all have a footnote. The NIV does as well. They all have a footnote saying that this could be translated as either women or their wives or as women deacons or some called deaconesses. And as we have studied this passage as the elders, we believe that Paul is speaking to the idea that women can serve as deacons. The way that he begins talking, the way he begins this verse is the same way that he started when he talked about deacons, where he said, in the same way. Also, we see that Paul, in Romans 16.1, he commends a woman named Phoebe, and he calls her a deacon in her church in uh, Sincrea. And that's the only time that Paul uses the title deacon with regard to women. But he also talks about a, a, a woman named Priscilla, who along with her husband Aquila, were co-workers with Paul in the early church. What we believe, what we, we believe this passage says is that women are able to serve as deacons or deaconesses. Um, we believe that there's really only restrictions on women serving as an elder or as pastors. And that those roles God has ordained uh, for men 
Um, we believe that, 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 well, we know the history of the church, and I, we know in the first century that, that there were women deacons. We also know that in the Restoration Movement, which is our tradition, our church's tradition, there have been women deacons um, early on. It's kind of, kind of gone by the wayside, but in the early history of it, uh, even the founders of this movement, uh, uh, Campbell, one of, one of them, named Campbell, he, he was perfectly fine with women deacons. Um, we got, the thing we have to remember, and, and if you want to talk about any of this, you know, we'll, we, I, you come to me and I've got all my research and everything. Um, but uh, the main thing is deacon means serve, right? Like that's what a deacon is. And we, we believe that women can serve, obviously, uh, because you guys do it anyway. <laughs> um, but being able to have that uh, office as well, uh, being able to have women in that office as well, I think is important. The final instruction speaks to the home life of the deacon. It says, first, the deacon must be faithful to his wife, which just means that if he has a wife, he only has to have one wife or he has to only have one wife, um, which in some parts of the culture, that wasn't the case, right? Uh, the deacon must also manage his children and his household well, and these are the same requirements that Paul writes to the elders. And finally, Paul writes in verse 13 as he closes out this section. He says, those who have uh, served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus, which I think is a, a wonderful way to end this. Now, as you, as you look at the list of qualifications, you might think that that is impossible to achieve. I think we may have said that with the elders, too. But again, we're not looking for perfect, but we're looking for people who are pursuing righteousness. People characterized by repentant obedience. That leads us to the next question, then. What exactly do deacons do? What are the roles of a deacon? Simply put, the deacons serve. That's pretty broad, though, so let's narrow it down by asking some questions. Who do they serve? How do they serve? But we want to start with why do they serve? Well, deacons serve, I think, because as we all serve, we, we serve because that's what Jesus did, that's what Jesus still does. Again, Ford writes, we don't serve God to get good things from God. We serve God because we've already received good things from God. Deacons aren't the expression of the service to God in a way that he needs, but an expression of how we have needed God to serve us. So we serve because of what God's done for us. We serve because Jesus has served us. How do we serve? For this, we've looked to Romans chapter 12. In verses 3 through 8, there's a focus on serving in the body of Christ. And it looks at the different gifts that people have in the body. We're going to focus on these three, uh, six verses, I think, three through eight. Where it's, Paul writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. 
we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These are different gifts, ways that peoples, that deacons can serve well. The first listed here is prophecy, which is truth-telling and specific instruction from the Lord. Some people hear especially well from the Holy Spirit and are gifted and, and with clarity and power in speaking God's truth into particular situations. The second on the list is serving. And that could include a wide variety of things around the church and outside the church. Could be dealing with the building, the cleaning, the serving coffee or mowing or donuts or rocking babies in the nursery or moving chairs or anything like that. It could be outside the church. It could be taking food to the sick or the elderly or, or arranging uh, food for a funeral. The list goes on and on. Those of you who are gifted in serving, you, you, know, you might be more in the background. But you know that those people are always there to help. They're reliable to help. The third way is teaching. I'm going to say what we're not talking about first. We're, we're not talking about preaching. Um, we do believe that it, that is a ministerial role reserved for pastors and elders. But there are many other opportunities to teach, like a Bible study in, in the children's ministry, youth ministry, and more. The next gift is the gift of encouragement. We need deacons who are able to encourage all of us, but also those who are able to use words for kindness and empathy and sympathy, encouraging with hugs and tears and food. Encouragement with food is always good. There's also the gift of giving. Some people are, are really wise with dealing with their money and are able to give generously and sacrificially, especially to those who are in need. These deacons would also be those who can help the church manage our finances as well. And then there's the gift of leadership. Some deacons, who as one writer puts it, they know how to get people on the bus and find the right seats. Many will lead by example, and people can imitate them as they imitate Jesus. And the final gift that's listed here by Paul is showing mercy. There are some who empathize so well with people who are, are going through stuff, and, and that's definitely their gift, showing mercy. They get down in the mud with people when they're going through it. They're praying for them. They're just being with them, shedding tears together. Deacons will have one or more of these gifts as God has given, and uh, that, that's going to help them serve as Jesus served. And as they do that, they'll provide a powerful witness and example to the body. Now, I want to finish this up, uh, this message up, with what the elders envision for our deacon ministry here at Maple Grove. In January, the elders held a day-long retreat where we came together and we talked about some specific things that we wanted to come to agreement on. One of those things on the agenda was to talk about the deacon ministry. What we decided was that we first would 
uh, ask people to be deacons and lead, be that lead servant in six different ministry areas of the church. These areas include our facilities, our tech ministry, which we need, (laughs) Um, hospitality, outreach, Christian education, and service, which would be the needs within the church body. So what we've done is we've identified some people, we've preliminarily identified some people that we believe um, would be using their God-given gifts well in each of these areas. What the elders believe is that by having deacons, um, being able to focus on certain ministry areas, we as the elders can have a little bit better organization and line of communication and and more, and also, too, that we can, as the body of Christ here at Maple Grove, more effectively be the hands and feet of Jesus to our people here, but also to the greater community that we serve. If you think about it, that can touch a lot of different areas. It can be Bloomington, Ellettsville, Martinsville, and everywhere in between. We, we, you know, God's put us in a unique position in this location where we can serve all these different areas. And we, we've come to a point where we're, we're starting to see more and more people coming in. And, and again, this is the, what we have right now, the people that we have in mind, it's all preliminary. Um, it's all a start, right? We want to start with six ministries. That could increase. We want to start with about two people per ministry, two deacons per ministry, two or three. That could increase. So um, if we don't specifically call you to be a deacon, that's okay. Because you can still serve. Like, nothing's going to stop you from that. The deacons are just going to be those lead servants in those ministries, the, the people that we can go to as the elders to just kind of figure out what's going on, that they can be the boots on the ground. And, and we can... Uh, just have that better line of communication as well and a little bit better organization um, than maybe what we've had for a while. Um, and and it's, I don't think it's any of our faults. It's just kind of something that got put to the back burner. And, you know, when that happens, it just kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? Um, well, we don't want it to be out of sight anymore. We don't want it to be out of mind anymore. We want to enable you to serve. Again, not just as deacons, but also within the church. The entire body. You all have different gifts. You, like Paul's not just talking about deacons when he's talking about these gifts. Everybody has gifts given to them by God. Things that they are, are naturally good at, but things that, that God also gifts as you go. And um, that's, that's we, we're able to serve out of those. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about loving one another as Christ loved the church. It's about loving our neighbor as ourselves and, and being able to use our unique position, the, the unique way that we do things here at Maple Grove because there's nobody like us. And we're able to serve this community in a way, whether it's, you know, the the neighborhood that we're in or the communities that we all live in because we have people from each of all all of those areas. We have people that live way out that way, um, way out that way, that way, and that way. And all the ways. (laughs) 
<laughs> you guys all live all over the place. <laughs> but we're so glad you come here. <laughs> um, but that's what we want you to do, want you to be able to do. We want you to be able to take the gifts that God's given you and serve well. And, and, and we serve because Jesus himself has served us. He continues to serve us because he sits at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And, and as he told his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he still tells us today, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he gives us that wonderful promise at the end, though, that as we go, as we continue to go, he will be with us to the very end of the age. I ask you to pray for us as we kind of restart this ministry, as we ask people, pray for the people that we are asking, pray that God would, would put those leaders in place, that he would, um, that he would make them willing, that they would be willing, but that also that, that they fit the qualifications and that they have a desire to serve God. Pray for all of those things, but just also pray for the elders as, as we go through this as well. Um, we need to bathe this in prayer like we do everything. Um, and that is a terrible ending. Okay, I mean, not a terrible ending, but I, I, I ran over my conclusion, so now I'm done. So I'm going to pray now. One of these days, I'll act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have given us such a, a gift in, um, in what Paul has written about here in the organization of your church, that you have appointed certain people to be leaders in this church. You have those people who, who lead through um, you know, putting the vision out and, and uh, setting that vision and, and trying to, to best make plans to go with that. But then you also have put people in place who are really good at executing that vision. And that's what we're looking for now, Lord, in our deacons. We're looking for people who are willing and able and just ready, chomping at the bit to serve. I know that there are people here in this congregation. There are people here today. There are people who, who will be watching this later who are absolutely chomping at the bit. And let's, let us get out of their way and let them serve you in, in such a way that what that does is just, it just shows people that you love them, Lord. Because we're not going to act like the rest of the world. We're going to act like Christians. We're going to act like we are followers of you. And, and, and we just want others to, to follow you as well. To be saved like we are. And so, Lord, we, we just ask your blessing over our our search. We ask your blessing over our, our ministry here, but we also ask your blessing over every single person who's a member of Maple Grove.
every single person who attends Maple Grove that that no matter if they had a title or not, they're going to serve you. Because you have served us so much and so well when you sent your son Jesus. And he died on the cross. That wasn't for anything other than us. To restore us as your children. Lord, we take the time in our service now to remember that sacrifice that you made in sending Jesus to the cross for our sins. That is the ultimate in serving, but it is also the ultimate in love. Lord, we take the, the, the bread, which represents his body. We take the cup, which represents his blood. And we remember. But we also remember, and what we will celebrate in two weeks, is that he didn't stay in that tomb. That he arose. We thank you, Lord. And we ask your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.